Hi, everybody. It's John Dickerson. Welcome or welcome back to the Connection Point podcast. At the end of this episode, I'd encourage you to take a moment and check out cp.news on your web browser. Connection Point is a church that is fully online, and you can follow Jesus one day at a time from anywhere in the world with us. Well, I pray this message inspires you and challenges you today to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Yeah, let's celebrate uh, what God's doing through the missionaries we get to support around the world. Uh, Welcome everyone over in Avon. Welcome those of you online. I love it that we get to be part of a movement where we are seeing God change lives right here. Uh, We've seen more than 200 people express their faith in Christ through baptism so far this year. Uh, We've seen more than 400 say, I believe. 200 of those have stepped out and been baptized. This weekend, or this upcoming week, 49 new small groups begin. So that represents about 500 adults who've joined a small group. So God's working here. And yet every day we have missionaries in remote parts of the world and God is working there. And I just want to say thank you for being part of what God is doing right now. Well, I've got a little Dickerson family update for you all. Um, We're adding a member to our family. And um, no, Mel's not pregnant, if that's what you're wondering. But uh, it is a, a baby. It's just a baby dog. It's a puppy. And uh, here's the story on this. My daughter Zoe has been saving up for a while. She wanted to get a bunny and do the whole 4-H animal thing. And my wife and I have been going back and forth because I feel pretty strong, and it's okay if you disagree with me, that I don't really want a bunny in the house. And as you know, we have winter here, and so I've been thinking, it's not realistic for Zoe to go out in the middle of the winter and take care of this bunny outside. So thankfully, God provided through some friends who had a litter of puppies, uh, and they offered us a puppy for about what we were going to spend on a bunny. Here's Zoe with her new puppy, Sunny. Yeah, they're both super cute, so my life is is pretty good right now. But uh, here's Sunny on a typical day. She loves to lay down under the kitchen table and just look up with these puppy dog eyes. Uh, It's pretty good. But here's the funny thing. This dog, she is so eager to please, and as a result, she's been really easy to train, but she's so eager to please that it's almost a problem because she's got this quirk. And for whatever reason, it only happens with me. It doesn't happen to my wife or kids. Whenever I enter the room, she runs up to me, and she like bows down in submission, and she pees. And it creates this great internal conflict for me because I want to reward her for running to me, but I don't want to reward her for peeing, but I don't want to discipline her for running to me. So inevitably, I'm standing there having this internal ping pong match, and then here's the next thing she does. After she pees, she rolls over on her back in total surrender, but she rolls into the pee, inevitably. (laughs) So it's just this like little dilemma I've got in my life right now of um, so much cuteness, but also so much urine in the house right now. Hey, I wonder, do you ever kind of feel like that when it comes to pleasing God? I do sometimes. Like, God, I want to please you, but I also have days or patches of days where I might kind of forget about God, and I'm kind of living my life, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, God. 
And we want to please God. I think that's most of us in our heart. Like, we want to please God, but life is so busy. Life is so complicated. And I think a lot of us lack clarity. Like, what do I need to do to please God? I mean, don't give me 10,000 things. Don't give me the whole 66 books of the Bible. I believe it. But just give me like a simple, you know, what's the simple answer? How do I know if I'm doing what God wants in my life? Or you could put it this way. Is there a simple way to know if what you're doing is the right thing or not? I mean, God, when you look at my life today, this week, am I on the right path? Am I, am I running to you or am I, you know, making a mess? Where am I? How am I? Well, God answers this question, I believe, uh, this week and the next four. Whether you're a brand new believer or maybe you've been in church for 60 years, God is going to use this to give you real clarity in your relationship with him so that you can know day in, day out, that you are in right relationship with God. Here's how Jesus answers this question in John chapter 8. He says, I am the light of the world. And then notice what he says next. He says, if you follow me. So following someone is different than just believing in them, right? It's one thing to be like, I I believe Steph Curry's a great basketball player, or I believe such and such. But to actually choose to follow someone, that's like belief and then some. Jesus says, it's when you follow me, that's when you won't have to walk in darkness. Now, some people with good intentions have taken this verse and they've, I think, misinterpreted it. To say, essentially, if you ever sin, if you ever mess up, then you're not really a good follower of Jesus. But I don't believe that's what Jesus is getting at here. Jesus is making the assumption that we already walk in darkness before he comes into our lives, before we place our faith in him. And he's not saying, be perfect, be better, or else you're not one of my followers. What he's saying is, there's only one path of light out of darkness, and it's me. So believe in me enough to follow me. And then you won't have to wonder where you stand with God. You'll know as you choose to follow him one day at a time exactly where you stand with him. So when Jesus talks about following him, he's talking about your life right now. Your job, your relationships, your decisions. We believe in Jesus for our salvation, but then we follow him in this life, and it changes our lives for the better. Now, this is one of 13 times that Jesus directly says in the Gospels, follow me. It's a command. It's a loving command. Here's what we're learning today. To be right with God, believe in Jesus. If you've been here more than a week, I'm sure you've heard this. And believe in Jesus doesn't just mean believe that Jesus existed. Believe that Jesus is God, that he died on the cross for your sins, rose from the dead. Ask him to be your savior. Salvation is by grace through faith. You don't earn your salvation by following Jesus perfectly or doing a list of good deeds. Salvation is by faith. John 3, 16, whoever believes in Jesus as God will not perish but will have everlasting life. But look at the second half of this. Do you want to experience God in your life this week? Do you want to experience God in your marriage, in your finances, in your career? Then add on to that belief actually following him with your actions, with your feet, with your choices. 
Now, some Christians get into this big debate of, oh, you know, are you following Jesus enough? And if you're not, are you really a Christian? Are you not? We're, we're not going to get into that big not and try to untangle that. But what I will say is this. If you've believed in Jesus, but you look at your life and it doesn't look anything like Jesus, you're not following him at all, then you should take a careful examination of how sincere your belief is. On the flip side, many of us were raised in a version of Christianity that is a works-based, performance-based Christianity. And if you feel day in and day out like you're standing before God, all depends on you and not on Jesus, then, then, then maybe for you in this series, it's learning to live the practices of the Christian life, not to try to earn God's favor but out of your new identity in Jesus. My job in this series is to let you know that you could have all the faith in the world, but if you don't actually follow Jesus in your finances, your finances aren't gonna change. If you don't actually follow Jesus in your sexuality, you're not gonna have God's best for your sexuality. If you don't actually follow God in your uh, career, in your marriage, you're not gonna have his best. So believe and follow. Here's a kind of tangible example of this that I think we'll be able to understand the difference between just believing and actually following. Did you hear about this lottery winner in the state of Illinois? Mega jackpot of $1.34 billion. And the lottery ticket was actually sold at this speedway in Illinois. It was sold on July 29th. But as of now, nobody has claimed the prize. So just think about this. In someone's wallet, in someone's purse, in someone's ashtray or center console, or it's fallen under their seat, is a little piece of paper that is worth not just $100 million, but 100 million times 13. It's an insane amount of money. I was curious. I was thinking, I wonder how long it would take to spend that. So I did some math. You could spend $100,000 a day, every day of the year, for 37 years. And yet, it's totally unclaimed. It's been purchased, it's been bought, but it's unclaimed. Now, when you place your faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, his righteousness is accounted to you. You become spiritually wealthy. You actually have a new identity. You have a new nature. But I am convinced that the majority of Christians in America have not cashed in. They have not claimed the new life that they can have in Christ. That is, they've believed, but they're not really following. And I'm not talking about following perfectly. None of us do that. But I'm talking about following consistently. How do you claim what is yours? Because get this, I know some of you right now are like, what if that ticket's in my wallet? It's not, unless you were in Illinois in late July and bought a lottery ticket, then you should check. But think about this, something that, and I'm not just saying this as a metaphor, it is truly worth more. I, I know people who have hundreds of millions of dollars, and guess what? That, that does not make them happy. What they have in Jesus makes them happy, or if they don't have Jesus, they're lacking that. I mean, what you have in Jesus is more. It's more for your career. It's more for your internal peace. It's more for your relationships. But have you cashed in on it? Are you following it? Here's how Jesus often talked in Matthew 4. He approaches some of these fishermen. 
They're just blue-collar, rural guys. They've been passed over by all of the other rabbi teachers. They weren't considered quite smart enough to make the cut. And Jesus says to them, as he says to you and me, follow me. And so, of course, that means they believe in him, but he actually means drop your nets and follow me. Learn my way of life. And then I love how this continues. He says, if you follow me, I will make you. In other words, I will transform you. I will kind of take you to the next level. And for them, since they were fishermen, he said, I'm going to make you fish at a way higher level. You're going to have eternal harvest, eternal things in your nets. And to you, he would say, follow me. I will make you. I will transform you for the better. What does that mean? It means more purpose, more fulfillment, more joy. It means deeper relationships. But to experience all of that, you have to actually follow him. Now, here's what we see in the Gospels, which are true accounts of Jesus of Nazareth who really lived. And Peter and John and James and Matthew, these disciples who chose to follow him, they changed. And we see it today. You're in a movement of thousands of people where we have changed, and hopefully if we're humble enough, every day we're continuing to change by choosing to follow Jesus one day at a time. Now, here's what all this means for you. If you want God's abundant life, Jesus promised abundant life. I've come that you might have life and life to the full or an abundant life. If you want that, then you must move from merely believing in Jesus, good start, to believing and following Now, in this series, we're going to simplify this way down to just what does that kind of lifestyle look like? Not thousands of things, but we're going to give you five things. They're all attainable. One week at a time, if you've never done these five things before, you're going to learn how. If you've been doing these things, you're going to be refreshed. It is simple to follow Jesus, and yet it requires surrender. So Jesus' follower practices for the new way of life. This is the series we're in today and the next four weeks, and I want to encourage you that you can do this. In fact, I believe that following Jesus in the daily rhythms of your life is a lot like riding a bike. Once you learn how to do it, there's muscle memory there, and even if maybe you haven't ridden your bike for a while, you can hop back on it. Now, I don't know when the last time is that you rode a bike. I've been having some good bike rides lately with Zoe, my middle daughter. But even if it's been a long time, I'm sure you know there are two pedals. I remember when I was a kid, I'd get going really fast on my BMX bike, and sometimes I would lift my feet off the pedals. And it was the kind where the chain was always connected so the pedals would keep spinning. I also remember times when I was goofing around and I'd get going downhill or on a flat street and I'd have momentum and I'd lift up one leg and I would just pedal with one leg. Now, what are the two pedals of the Christian faith? I mean, what are the two pedals that that keep you moving forward? I would suggest to you as a summary of Genesis to Revelation that they are belief, that is your faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. You're saved by grace through faith and not of yourselves. So that is a key pedal. But if you only have faith and you don't have any actions, then when life gives you an uphill, you're going to find yourself struggling. You might find yourself tipped over. 
Because what Jesus taught and what he modeled is this, believe and follow. Believe and follow. These are the two pedals. And in my experience, you can't have a healthy, stable Christian life without both of them. I've, I've known Christians who overemphasize the follow, and they're focused on their own performance. And it's like they're riding a bike with one leg. And I've known other Christians who say, well, you know, I believed, it's all forgiven, and they don't really look any different than they did before they were a Christian, and their life isn't very balanced either. Is Christianity about your faith, or is it about your actions? Yes, it's both. Your faith and your actions are connected at the axle. I mean, they're connected right in the middle. Your faith and your actions work together. So if you want your life to change for the better, then learn with me these next few weeks how to follow Jesus by faith and by action. Five practices that we're going to learn. These sound really simple. They actually are really simple. Uh, The first one that we'll talk about today is surrender. Surrender. In other words, surrender is a heart posture towards God. And in my experience, I have to re-surrender every day. I still have some remnants of my old nature that thinks that I know better than God. Surrender is saying, God, you know better. I might not understand what you're doing in my life right now, but you know better. You say to do this with my desires, I want to do this, I'm going to go your way. Surrender, to me, is the first of these practices. Because the next four are things that a person could do almost like a robot, You could pray. There's people who pray for hours a day. They pray ancient prayers in ancient languages. You could seek God's word, that is the Bible. There's people who've memorized entire books of the Bible and who pray for hours a day, but their heart isn't surrendered. You you can't skip step one of surrender. So that's where we'll start today. In the upcoming weeks, we'll see each of these, and Jesus modeled each of these, right? Surrender, Jesus said over and over again, Father, not my will, but yours be done, Jesus, as the perfect example of how to be a human in right relationship with God, over and over says, God, not my will, but yours be done. There's a time when the disciples are hungry, and they're like, Jesus, where's food? And you know what he says? He says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. So a lifestyle of surrender, a mentality of surrender. Prayer, you know, Jesus often got away to pray. Next week, we'll look at the Lord's Prayer, where he teaches us to pray. Seeking God's word. You maybe know the story where Jesus went out into the wilderness for 40 days and Satan himself directly tempts and tests Jesus. And in the middle of it, he says, humans can't live by bread alone, but by every word of God. We're gonna teach you how to be a person of the word. Even if you're not a reader, that's okay. Guess what? Most people in Jesus' day weren't readers. Uh, it It was a verbal culture. And we'll teach you, you can listen to the word of God. That's actually what you're doing right now. You're listening to the word of God being taught. Serving others. Jesus said, even the Son of Man, title for himself, did not come to this world to be served, but to serve others. That will be part of your lifestyle as you're following Jesus, loving others. Jesus said in John 13, here's how everyone will know if you're really one of my disciples by your love, one for another. Uh, You can live out these five traits. We are here to help you live out these five traits to get you on a rhythm where it's just like riding a bike And then you know every day, God, I've been made right with you through Jesus, and I'm even living right by practicing the new way of life. So let's talk about, number one, a lifestyle of surrender. What is surrender not? Surrender is not perfection. 
Surrender doesn't mean that you never make a mistake. It just means that when you do, you get back up. I mean, I think of my little puppy, Sunny. Does it bug me that she pees and rolls over in it? Yes. But her heart, like she's just so eager to please. That's a great example of surrender. It doesn't mean you're perfect. Just get back up when you mess up. Surrender, by the way, also means you're not fixated on your own performance. You've received Jesus' work on the cross. And so when you have a good day, you're happy you had a good day, but you're not fixated on, man, I had a good day because I didn't sin at all today. You had a good day because you're like, I have a good day because I'm a son or daughter of the king through Jesus, and it's been a good day. And when you have a bad day, you're not beating yourself up. Oh, I'm so terrible, so much shame and guilt. I'm never going to. Nah, you know what? I messed up, but it's forgiven through Jesus. I'm going to get back up. I'm going to stay surrendered to him, and tomorrow's going to be a new day. Surrender is simply a daily effort to follow Jesus and be fixated on his performance. Mark chapter 2, we find another one of these invitations where Jesus says, like he says to you and me, follow me. And here's how it starts in verse 14. As Jesus walked along, he saw Levi sitting at his tax collector's booth. And I want to stop there, because in our culture, we'd say, oh, interesting, Levi's an accountant, works for the IRS. In Jesus' culture, this was very, very different. Um, Accountants, not accountants, but tax collectors in Jesus' culture were despised. They were hated. And here's why. They were corrupt. They were deceitful. The tax collectors had the authority of the Roman government. So let's say you're a farmer and you owe the Roman government a 30% tax on all your wealth. Well, the tax collector shows up and he says, hey, you owe me a 40% tax on your wealth. And you say, wait, 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 I heard that it's a 30% tax. He says, well, I've got uh, two battalions of Roman soldiers behind me. They're ready to torch your fields and uh, burn your house. I'm pretty sure it's a 40% tax. And you pay the 40%. Where does the extra 10% go? To the tax collector. Tax collectors were wealthy, wealthy, corrupt, despised members of this society. And it's no accident that Jesus chooses one of them to not just be one of his hundreds or thousands of followers, but one of his 12, one of his 12 disciples. Maybe you're here and you're kind of checking out God, you're checking out church. And you feel like, you know, I've sinned too much or the mistakes I've made are too big. There's no sin that God can't forgive if you will choose to believe him and follow him. And he actually calls out to you today, believe in me for the forgiveness of your sins and then get up and follow me. I will change your heart. I will change your habits. I will change your life if you'll follow me. Now, here's what happens with this despised and hated tax collector who, by the way, when Jesus says, follow me, he probably did one of these. Like, who are you talking to? You can't be talking to me. Because every other Jewish religious rabbi and teacher, they would have walked way far away from a guy like Levi. Jesus goes right up to him. He comes right up to you and he says, believe me and follow me. Look at the next part of the verse. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. And I love it. So Levi got up and followed him. Action, obedience, Obedience has a cost. He leaves that profession. You don't always have to leave your profession. Jesus will tell you as you follow him what your cost is. For Levi, it means literally leaving his job. And here's what's going to happen. Levi's going to radically transform. Going to take on the name Matthew. 
And the same pen that he used to cheat and swindle and deceive people, he will use as he follows Jesus for three years to write a book of the Bible, the Gospel of Matthew. After he follows Jesus, he's never the same. Does he still sin at times? Yes. Is he perfect? No. But is he a totally different person? Absolutely. This is what God wants for you. Following Jesus is really as simple as this. You keep taking your next step. Maybe your first step today is really declaring in your heart, Jesus, you are my God. You are my Savior. I surrender to you. You believe. And then you take the step of being publicly baptized to say, Jesus, it's on record in front of people. I'm on your team. I believe in you. And then you keep taking your next step. You believe, you hear the word, and then you obey the word. Believe and follow, believe and follow, back and forth. And by the way, if, if you become a Christian who just keeps learning more, but you stop following, you'll become a very unhealthy Christian, um, judgmental or, or big-headed in a way. Keep taking your next step. I want to contrast the story of Levi, despised, unreligious, dishonest, and a guy who was actually a very upstanding citizen recorded by Levi in Matthew 19, verse 21. This is a guy who had a great reputation with all the religious people. He was wealthy. He was an upstanding citizen. And this guy believes in Jesus. He respects Jesus. And he comes up to Jesus and asks him a question. And Jesus answers like straight to the heart. He says, if you want to be complete, remember, follow me and I will make you. I will transform you. Jesus says, hey, I do see. You're doing a lot of right things. You appear to be right with God. Um, there's a lot of good stuff in your life. I don't dispute that. But do you want to go from just kind of that to really being complete, becoming the best version of you and God? If so, then Jesus says, do these things to follow me. And it's not like do a bunch of religious things. This guy had one thing between him and God, and it was his wealth. So to that guy, Jesus says, I want you to sell that stuff to follow me. Sometimes people read that verse and they mistake it, that if you're a Christian, you always have to sell everything you own. That's, that's not the case. This was Jesus' command for this one guy. But here's the thing. He always gives a specific command as you listen, as you pray, as you believe, He'll tell you what to do. But the point is this. Jesus gives the same invitation that he gave to Levi, the tax collector. But this guy won't do it. And we're told, you can study this whole chapter later in your own Bible, that this guy goes away very sad. Very sad. He reached a point, he had believed Jesus. He had even followed Jesus to a point, but he reached a point where he said, I'm not willing to pay the price of obedience. Well, raise your hand if you know what a sump pump is. Anyone know what a sump pump is? Let me explain for our viewers online around the country, because I, I know some of you live in places where the ground is not saturated with water as it is here. So here's a picture in my basement of our sump pumps, and you actually see a little bit of water there. So in the top right corner, those two white pipes going up are from the sump pump. Let me explain it if you don't have a basement or aren't familiar with it. Uh, the beauty of living in the Midwest, we never have droughts or wildfires. We have an abundance of water. And uh, many homes here have basements, which are great for storage. They're also great for flooding because they're below the ground. And when there's a lot of rain, like we've had recently, or if the snow is melting, 
that water will find its way into your basement. So the way they've designed um, houses at least the last 50 years or so is there's a, a little pit in the basement and all the channels around the foundation of the house are designed to funnel the water toward that pit uh, and that pit will fill up with water pretty quickly and so there's these two pumps in there, hopefully two, called sump pumps. And what they do, they just have a little float and whenever the water gets up to a certain level, they pump the water up out of the basement, keep your basement nice and dry. Well, when we moved here five years ago, uh, I was so excited to have a basement. Because before we lived in Arizona, California, you can't have basements there. I was like, yes, we have a basement. And then I learned about the sump pumps. And so I went onto Amazon and I bought for $15 these water detectors. And, and I set them up around the sump pump so that if it ever overflows, it makes an alarm sound. I probably should have invested a little more than $15. But um, it actually did work out. We had a night where I heard the alarms and I went down there and this is what I saw. That does not look like much water, but you know, once water's starting to come in, it, it's going to pick up speed and you'll have inches of water pretty quickly if you don't get right on it. Well, these two pumps, apparently one of them had died a long time ago and finally the second pump gave up the ghost and so we had no sump pump. I have a little backup pump, so I throw it on there, but the water's still rising and it was one of those moments where we just had to make an emergency call. Have you ever been there? You're like, emergency, need a plumber, um, or the heat stops in the winter, or the AC stops in the summer. It's like, emergency, need an HVAC technician. Like, this one's above my pay grade, and we got to get this fixed right away. So we called, and thankfully, uh, someone came and got it taken care of. Now, I want you to think about the last time that you had to make an emergency call like that. You know, the person comes, and it's always a little strange having them in your home, but you're grateful. They get the thing done. I want you to imagine that then they go get in their work truck or their big white van or whatever it is that they drove in, and you follow them. And they get home, and you're behind them, and you get out, and you're like, I, I just, I want to follow you. I want to be like you. It'd be weird, right? <laughs> It'd be really weird. But I want you to reverse this now because that is actually what Jesus asks us to do tells us it's in our best interest to do. Call me for your failures in life. Call me in your crisis, and then follow me, and I'll actually change your whole way of life. But instead, most of us treat Jesus a lot more like a plumber. I'm in the hospital, my marriage is falling apart, I don't know what to do, and we dial 911 Jesus. Jesus, help. And guess what? He answers, he cares, he'll show up. He'll be there. But then he fixes our thing, or he at least gets us through it, and we are like, where's the invoice? Like, see you later, Jesus. I'll call you next time I have a crisis. You know? See you soon, but hopefully not too soon. Like, maybe in a couple years. I just wonder for you, are you a Jesus caller or a Jesus follower? Like, truly, not what do you want to be, but like, what does your life say? Are you a Jesus caller or are you a Jesus follower? How about this? If there were a scale of one to ten, one being you call Jesus when there's a crisis, otherwise kind of just go about life your own way, ten being you're like extreme Jesus follower, everything you do is like, what does Jesus say about this? Where would you rate yourself? Are you maybe like a three or a four? 
I would encourage you this, any of you who are down on yourself, the fact that you're watching this or that you're here, you got to be at least a two or a three, right? Like you're following Jesus right now. Way to go. Would you say maybe you're a six or seven? Here's my heart for you in this series. I don't want to shame you. I don't want to guilt you. Jesus talked about the Pharisees, that they put heavy weights on people. This series is not to put a heavy weight on you. It's to teach you the joy, the freedom, the abundant life of following Jesus. And it is the free life. It is the full life, but it is also a choice. And it's a choice that does require some self-denial. So wherever you'd place yourself today on this scale of 1 to 10, here's my prayer for you. It's just my heart's desire for you. I've been praying for you all week. That you'll join me here every weekend for the rest of this series. And that by the end of this series, you'll know I, I am a 9 or a 10. Like I am, I'm not perfect, but I'm following. And I know that I'm right with God. And I know that my lifestyle is one where I don't feel guilty every time I hear someone else did something. I know I'm doing the things I'm supposed to do. You could put it this way. Have you decided for your life, I will be a follower of Jesus daily, not just an occasional caller? That's really what we're talking about today with surrender being step one, is really just saying, this is the lifestyle I want to adopt. Not a Christian religion, not necessarily the habits and rituals of any one little subculture of Christianity, But actually pure Jesus, his words, his way of life, that's what I want. That's what I'm going to do. That's going to be my identity. You could put it this way. It's not just a moment of belief. That's a great start. But it's a lifetime of surrender. What does surrender look like? It's not super complicated. You can do it. Psalm 25, to me, this represents surrender. The psalmist is praying to God and just says this, show me the right path, O Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. That is surrender right there. That is pure surrender. You don't have to have fancy words. It's just saying, God, show me what to do. So when we talk about having a lifestyle of surrender, it means, God, I I don't know how to parent my child in this situation, or I don't know what to do with this financial decision. Or, God, I'm trying to get healthy, but I'm not. And and you just look to God. Show me the path, Lord. Show me what to do, and I'll do it. Some of you have to believe someone's here today, you're in the middle of a decision, and you need to pull out your phone and take a picture of that verse and just claim that verse while you're going through a difficult decision. This is an attitude. It's a mentality. 1 Corinthians 11 puts it this way. Paul, the apostle's writing, and he says, you should imitate me. Just as I imitate Christ. Now Paul, if you read all of his writings in the Bible, doesn't claim to be perfect. He talks about his sins, his failures, he's got health struggles, he's got all sorts of things. But what he says is this, every day I wake up and I do my best to follow Jesus. And so if you don't know where to start, follow me. Hopefully you'll pick up some good stuff. And I just wonder, if you're a dad, can you in good conscience say to your kids, hey, Imitate my life the way I imitate Jesus. I mean, you see me late at night. You see me when no one else is watching. You know what I say when no one from church is around. You know, like, you know who I am. Be like me, and that'll get you at least on the right track to following Jesus. Can you say that? And again, this is not to be like, well, shame on you if you can't. It's to say, hey, join the rest of us dads in this movement who say we're not perfect, but we have defined our life as saying I'm a follower of Jesus. And I'm doing it consistently enough that I can, in good conscience, say to my spouse, to my kids, hey, imitate me 
in the ways that I'm imitating Christ. So this is about identity. Part of surrender means my identity, um, I've surrendered my identity to Jesus. I am who Jesus says I am. Not who I say I am, not what my net worth says I am, not what my feelings say I am, or what the culture tells me my identity should be, but my identity is, is God's. 2 Corinthians 5 talks about identity this way. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. How do you know if you belong to Christ or not? Very simply, have you received God's free gift of salvation by faith? By proclaiming, Jesus, you're my Savior, you're my Lord, be the God of my life. If you've received that by faith, then you do belong to Christ. And you're in his hand. You're not in his hand based on your performance, but you surrendered. And now based on his strength, he holds you in his hand. If you belong to Christ, maybe you didn't know this, but the moment you believed in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, you became a new person inside. Spiritually, the eternal, internal part of you, your soul, became a new person. That's where Jesus talks about being born again. And that new person actually has a new nature. And this, this is huge. This was a paradigm shift for me early in my Christian life. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. That doesn't mean if you ever sin, you should doubt your salvation. You're probably not a real believer. What it means is this. Your new nature is actually to do the right thing. Now, the old nature, it's still there, but that's not the nature that controls you anymore. And th this is a mental shift to say, guess what? An honest person is who I am now in Jesus. A good spouse is who I am now in Jesus. Uh, a reliable person, like, I am a new person. My shame, my guilt, those things don't define me anymore. I am a new person in Christ. And so when I'm battling a temptation, it's not like, oh, I'm so drawn to this addiction. That's really who I am, but I have to try to pretend to be this good Christian. Surrender is believing yeah, that was who I was for years, maybe for decades, but I've believed in Jesus, I'm a new creation. And while there will always be a magnetic draw to that, and I have to be careful about that, I am a new creation, and my nature now is actually to do the right thing. That's what part of surrender is. And so you start to live the new life out of a biblical identity of who you are in Christ. Surrender to the new life of Christ in you. Maybe some of you need to pray that right now. Maybe your mind's kind of being blown like, whoa, I've never heard. I mean, I remember when someone taught that to me, and I was like, wow. So, so while I still could sin, being a sinner is not who I am anymore. I'm a new creation in Christ. And it changes when you mentally tell yourself that. I can do the right thing because Christ has transformed me. Galatians 2 puts it this way. My old self... What is that? That's, that's all the stuff that separated you from God before Christ. Sometimes the Bible calls it your fleshly or your carnal nature. It's all the things that you know you shouldn't have done, but you still have a tendency to be drawn toward. That old self was actually crucified with Christ on the cross. Your jealousy, your gossip, your greed, your bitterness, your pride, your unforgiveness, those things were nailed to the cross now, Paul says, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Sound, it, it is a little deep. You don't have to fully like, 
understand or go way, way down to these depths. But what I'm saying is when you're surrendered, you're saying, Jesus, I believe you're now in me. Live your new life through me. This passage continues and it says this, so I live in this earthly body. We're all in these earthly bodies. They'll wear out, they'll die. How do I live ideally? By trusting in the Son of God, Jesus. I love this verse because I live is the following part. It's your daily life on earth. I trust is the faith part. It's the belief part. And it's the part that starts your journey. And so belief and faith, you see both of those pedals here. Let's look at them again. Believe and follow. Believe and follow. Have you believed? Are you following? I love the old Christian song. It says trust and obey. It's the same two pedals. Believe, trust, obey, follow. Trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. If you're not believing, you're going to miss out on the joy, the new relationship with God. If you're not obeying and following, you're going to miss out. So five practices for following Jesus. Today we've covered surrender. Next week we'll cover prayer. And each one of these, I hope you got the idea today, surrender, you don't have to learn a whole bunch of stuff. It's just a heart thing. It's just, God, you're in charge of my life. I will do what you say. And then one day at a time, as you do the revolutions of your pedals, he'll give you new knowledge, you'll obey it. New knowledge, you'll obey it. And you'll be growing, you'll be following him. If you start with surrender, these next ones become really beautiful. Because then prayer is not a rote thing. It's, God, show me what to do. Help me. Make me the person you want me to be. But if you skip surrender, these next four just become religion. Oh, I'm not praying enough. Man, I have not read my Bible enough. Man, I really should start serving. So don't skip surrender. Don't skip over the fact that in Christ you're a new creation. And this is actually your identity. So if you're not living a lifestyle where you're regularly talking to God, hearing his word, serving, loving other believers, you actually um, have a whole bunch of new exciting life to discover as you learn to make these your lifestyle. So clarification, religion equals performing to earn God's approval. Many of us were raised this way. So we always gotta be careful of religion. I'm performing to earn God's approval. What is following Jesus? I have believed in Jesus' performance. So that's where God's approval is on my life through Jesus. I've attached myself to his performance by faith. And now I live from a new identity. And because I am a new person, I'm going to make the choice to obey even when it costs me. And as I obey, it's going to transform me. It's going to change me. Jesus put it this way in John 15. He said, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me, that's all we're learning in this series. How do you remain in Jesus? How do you walk with him? How do you follow him one day at a time? If you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. And this is apart from me, you can do nothing. So if you try to pray, read the Bible, serve, love others just in your own strength, it's not going to work. But if you start with surrender, relationship, identity, unity with God through Jesus, and then you say, Jesus, teach me to pray like you did. Teach me to love like you did. Teach me to serve like you did. Teach me to feed on the word of God like you did. Well, I promised you at the start that we would keep all of this very simple. 
So where do you start? Start here. Gathering weekly at any Jesus-centered church. Any church like Connection Point where they're teaching the word of God and it's all about Jesus, it gives you a jump start on all five of those practices. God designed it this way. That's why the book of Hebrews says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. It's important that you gather with other believers because when we're here, we do all five of those things in a little over an hour, right? We surrender, we pray, we look at the word of God, people are serving, we're loving each other. And it's like a jump start to all five of those things. It's a great way to start your week. So if you're new and you're like, wow, this is a lot, five things, surrender, just that one's a lot for me, just start by being here every week. And by the way, if you've been in church or a believer for years and years, don't stop being in a Jesus-centered, Bible-believing church every week. Um, you know, the great athletes, they don't stop practicing. They don't stop doing the fundamentals or the basics. Let me give you three real quick applications and then I'll pray for you and get you out of here. Your next step is gonna be one of these three options. First, today, will you choose in your heart, I'm gonna move from being a crisis caller to a lifestyle follower. Like, I'm not just calling Jesus in my crises, I'm following him in my lifestyle. That's application one. What do you choose? Application two, if you're here and you say, I am a follower of Jesus, will you join me in saying, God, refresh my surrender today? Remind me that surrender, really all these other things work as long as the ingredient of surrender is there. And God created me a new heart. You know, restore in me that first love where I just say, Jesus, you know what's best. I surrender to you in every area of my life. And then third application, I've already hinted at it. Will you commit to be here every weekend as we learn these Christian practices? Some people call them spiritual disciplines. As we learn these together in a way that's not about, well, now I know them, so I'm good, but a way that says I'm learning these so I can do these. And I'm learning, believing, but I'm doing. And we're all gonna like, go on a good bike ride together, okay? And then we'll keep following Jesus together till he calls us home. So let me pray that for you right now. Father, I wanna thank you. Thank you that salvation is a free gift. I could never have earned it, Lord. I'm not good enough, none of us are. Jesus, you died on the cross so that anyone who believes will not perish but have everlasting life. And Lord, I pray right now for the person who, as they've listened today, realized I've never really believed that definitively. I pray that right now would be their moment of salvation where they believe in you for the forgiveness of their sins. God, most of us here, believers, we want to be more than hearers of the word but doers also. We want to believe and follow. And God, we just commit to you right now every decision that ever comes to us in life, we've already pre-decided. We already know what to do. I'm just gonna follow Jesus. I'll follow him in my marriage. I'll follow him in my finances. I'll follow him with my desires. Give us that kind of surrender, Lord. We want that surrender. Fan that into flame in us. God, we pray over this entire series that we would become more mature, more complete as believers that we would be a movement of thousands of people who've not only believed, but every day, every single one of us, we're following you in our workplace. We're following you at the grocery store. We're following you in our homes. We're following you when no one else is watching. And we're not perfect, but when we fall down, we get up. We dust ourselves off and we keep following you. Jesus, we desire to be your followers. 
not to earn God's love, but to express the new nature that you've given us because you've earned God's love for us. Lord, bless my brothers and sisters. Help them this week. Strengthen them, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if today's episode encouraged you or helped you in any way, we would invite you to keep following Jesus with us. We send out a daily video text devotional. You can receive that and you can learn how to gather with us online or in person for our weekend services. All of that is available over at cp.news. That's the letter C, the letter P.news on your phone or desktop or tablet browser. Thanks again for joining us and please join me again next week for the Connection Point Podcast.